Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. Welcome to a new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and uh, I am here with a few special guests. So we have back uh, Jim Bevan. Welcome back, Jim. Nice of Patty to invite us to the podcast, eh, Luigi? And uh, we have with us um, somebody who hasn't been with us in a while. I, I think, I, I don't remember the last one that you were on, but uh, I think it was probably maybe either Ghostbusters or Back to the Future. But yeah, we have with us uh, Alex the D. Welcome back, Alex. My dreams were my ticket out. And uh, we have ourselves uh, a new guest. So why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Eric. Uh, I go by like seven different nicknames depending on how people know me, but you guys can all just call me Eric and that's going to be perfectly fine. I'm not used to doing podcasts, but I'll try to do the best I can here. And thank you guys for having me. All right, then. So today we're going to be discussing about Mario uh, as of the recording of this podcast. Um, Mario celebrated his 35th anniversary on September 13th, 1985 in Japan. And uh, there was a whole bunch of announcements that were going on about uh, the celebration of it, such as the Mario 3D All-Stars pack and a whole bunch of other things that Nintendo recently announced. So I thought it would be a, a pretty good time for us to talk about some of our favorites from the franchise. So, uh, yeah, why, why don't you guys start off with, uh, you know, how you first got introduced to it? Well, for me, Mario has been, like, such a ubiquitous part of my life. Like, um... I can't even tell you when I first got it because, like, I had an NES that uh, we kept at my grandpa's house. And, like, of course, Super Mario and Duck Hunt was one of the games we had for that. And I just remember uh, playing that. I was at my, I was at my, I spent a lot of weekends at my grandpa's house and I always played it there. I 
sorry to say I didn't beat it until short until like my I didn't beat the first game until like senior year of college. Um but I had I had most of the other games on and off. Like I I have vague memories of playing Super Mario 3 as a kid, but don't remember when I but don't think I actually owned it until like high school. Um really spent a lot of time playing Super Mario World for Super Nintendo though. That's probably the one I spent the most time with as a kid. My Aunt Patty, she had uh, an Atari and uh, when I was I think only about three years old I tried the original Mario Brothers game. You know, the one where you're in the sewers and just fighting off all the different animals that come at you. Mm-hmm. I don't, I have vague memories of that but they also, when they got the the NES then I started trying out the you know, the first Super Mario Brothers games and then the ones that came after it. And I never beat any of them, never got to the end of any of them. I was young and unskilled, and now I'm older and still unskilled. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 tried at the first, I tried Super Mario World when I was six years old, and I never 100%ed the game until I was 25. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, just because of being born so much later than Jim, I had access to all the games that he already had. So pretty much by the time I was born and the time I could even have memories and was capable of playing games, you know, we had access to Mario World, Super Mario RPG, Mario 64, uh, Paper Mario was coming out shortly after that point. And so it's pretty much been with me as long as I've had memories. And I've tried, I've played pretty much every main series Mario that there is that I can think of just because of the re-releases. Uh, most of the party games, some of the sports games, and most of the RPGs. And also, as a bit of a heads up for anyone getting the 3D collection, back in the spring when this quarantine happened, I think to myself, you know what I've never done? I've never gotten 100% in Super Mario Sunshine. I should probably try to do that. Mm. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's three days. It's three days you'll never get back, and that's assuming the pachinko machine and Poison River don't mess you up like nobody's business. Oh wow! <laughs> anyway, we have uh, Creepy coming by. Uh, how you doing, Creepy? Good. Hey, Creepy. Um, I'm actually trying to get a hold of Yama right now, so bear with me. I think he's coming in right now. Oh, okay. So yeah, perfect timing for you guys. We were just uh, we just got started, so we'll just uh, wait until he logs in. Sorry, it took me so I did not see the message that you sent me on uh, Twitter until like just a minute ago. And then I was like, ah, I'm late. I was scrambling to download Skype again when I realized, oh, it's a Zoom meeting. I can use my phone. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think it'll be a lot more convenient if we just meet up on Zoom from this point, unless, you know, Skype is more convenient for you guys. Oh, no, this works so much better. I have not been able to hear you this clearly in years. Yeah. I didn't crash after five minutes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I know if I'll come to another one of these, it. but I'm, I've barely ever used Skype, and I've had to use Zoom a lot the past six months. So from my perspective, I think it works a little better. Yeah, this isn't the first time I've used Zoom. I've used it for some uh, meetings with my publishing company a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so I'm new to it, but this isn't like... Uh, my virgin run, if you don't you say so. Sure. But no, um, I, uh, I, yeah, it, it's coming through loud and clear, and I have not had good luck with Skype in a long time, so I have no problems with this. I was just embarrassed. 
And I was like, ah, running late again. <laughs> yeah, also, but uh, no. Yeah, but no. This topic has been the most fun for me to research so that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, which I actually did promise to you almost a year ago when we did the Swan Princess podcast with Diva. So it's like, I, I said, you're going to do a Mario podcast and here you are doing a Mario podcast. I'm so happy. Thank you. <laughs> you're very yeah. welcome. Yeah, so we were just going over, like, you know, our first Mario game. So, yeah, go ahead, guys. My first Mario game was actually the first game I ever played um, back in 1988 when I got my very first NES. Uh, the original Super Mario Brothers came with it. And my first experience with video game anything was World 1-1 of that game. Uh, my first Mario game was actually the original Mario Brothers game, the one that came, it was not on Nintendo though, not the version that came on Nintendo, it was the one that came out on Atari. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I played that. I was never very good at it, but it was a game that I enjoyed playing all the same, you know. Uh, well, of course, you know, at, at the time, like, the only two games that were really available were either, uh, uh, so, uh, were Mario Brothers and Asteroids, and I usually picked Mario Brothers. And the controller, we only had one controller, and it didn't go up, you know. So <laughs> that was that was the sort that was the sort of childhood that I had. That that became that sort of set the stage for things to come. But uh, I think Mario Brothers was the first Nintendo game I played. I want to say though. Okay. I, you know, like I, if, if I'm wrong, it was another game that was so that's so far back in my consciousness that I, I don't even remember it. But Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, was the first Nintendo game that I either played or got really, really invested in. So, you know, I again, like I really enjoyed that one. It took a while for me to beat it, but I did eventually. I managed to win. The last, I would say that one of the hardest levels in the entire game that frustrated me to no end was uh, the final level, World 8-4, because of, not even because of Bowser, but because of the Hammer Brothers. To this mm. day, I hear the word Hammer Brothers, and, and I kind of get this, this little bit of a twin. Mm -hmm. I thought about how much I wanted the suit in three. <laughs> Believe it or not, the ones in three in Super Mario Brothers three were easier to me. You know, the, know. the ones Amazing. in the first game were the worst. The the third game, I mean, I could deal with those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, as for me, I think I briefly talked about this on a blog post a long time ago when I was like looking back on some of the Mario Brothers games, but. I first in, got introduced to it when my when I was in like third grade when my teacher um, actually had an old NES on her um, on her class and this was like around when Friday afternoons you know we were done with our assignments and we were done with um, you know, covering stuff for today, for that day. And if we were staying a little bit longer, we had something called free time in which like we would get like 30 minutes to do an activity, whether it be drawing or whether it be like watching a movie or playing with, um, you know, various board games. And she had an NES and it had various games. Like this was around like 93, I think. So the Super Nintendo was already out. Mm -hmm. And so I... Uh, there, I, there was like Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3, 
there was Yoshi, um, Battletoads meets Double Dragon, and uh, a th- I, I don't remember the others, but you know, every every any chance that I got to play with the NES, I would like switch between either the old, uh, you know, like the first or the second or the third Mario, mm-hmm. and you know, playing them out to see you know how you know they they differed or how similar they were to each other. So yeah, that's how I, I and then my cousin owned a Super Nintendo, and so that's when I played Super Mario World, and then uh, I had a Game Boy, and then you know we, we I had like Super Mario Land and Super Mario Land Two. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't play any of the Wario games, though. Uh, if you want to know more uh, information about my Game Boy memories, then go listen to the podcast I did with Aaron uh, a while ago. So, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, we can go around and I, I don't want to like go into order about like, oh, you know, this game went on this time, like all the other podcasts that I've done, because it's like, you know, a lot of the podcasts that I've done would be like, you know, gameplay or story or something like that. But for, when it comes to like, something similar that I, well, unlike with Sonic, where, where, I, where I talked about it with Tom, it's like, you know, there was like a huge progression from like its 2D to 3D counterpart, but for the most part, you know, you don't have to worry too much about like the story or anything like that for a Mario game. So if you guys want to talk about like any of your particular favorites in no particular order, then go for it. My favorite Mario game, well, I love all of the old school titles for the NES and Super NES. But I think, like, the one I always tout as my favorite is the one that most people don't even really count as a real Mario game. And that's the American release of Mario 2. Now, this one has a lot of history behind it. And we can get into that if you like. But Sure. Like, okay, so originally, way back when Super Mario 1 was a huge, huge success, um, Miyamoto and the people at Nintendo kind of created this system for a second Mario game that they wanted to make different from the first. And then they used that system for a licensed game called Doki Doki Panic, which I believe was based on an anime or a manga. Over yeah, it's based, yeah, it's based off of an anime um, from, I believe it's T- TV Tokyo, I think. Yeah, they were a, um, they were kind of like, you know how they used to have children's blocks, like animation blocks here in the United States in the 80s and 90s? And sure. Hosted by a fictional character. You know, you would you would have some like, like the Mickey Mouse Club. You know, like Disney Channel used to do that a long time ago, and Mickey Mouse would host. You know, in between at the beginning and end of the half hour, you know, show, they would have Mickey Mouse either sing a song or, you know, just do something. The characters for Doki Doki Panic were uh, animated characters who hosted a children's block. Oh, okay. And, and they were super, and they were really really popular at the time. So it them getting a licensed game wasn't really that unusual. But if you weren't from Japan at that time period, odds are you did not know who these characters are. But if you were a kid living in Japan, chances are you didn't even have to watch the show to know who these four, the lineup was. So I'm, I'm actually curious, you know, knowing about that, you know, it was, I, I knew it was based off of the, the show, um, but I'm actually curious. I mean, is it a, a, a proper adaptation of what happened in the show? Or is it like, let's just take these characters that a lot of kids from Japan already know, and then let's just stick them into this world. And that's I think it. it was more the latter, actually. <laughs> okay. from, what I know, um, <laughs> from what I know, it seems like the game is like one of those old Ronald McDonald or, you know, licensed video game mascot games. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So it's something like that just over there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, swinging it back, um, the, uh, the reason Doki Doki Panic uh, became Mario 2 over here was because they created a Super Mario Brothers 2, 
um, based off of the original engine in Japan. But when people playtested it over here, it was too sodding difficult. Like, it's so hard to imagine in the age where Dark Souls mm. and, like, Hollow Knight and, like, hard platformers just kind of rule and dominate. But back then, if your game was too hard, people were not interested. Like, mm. especially if they'd had to shell out money for a strategy guide, the internet wasn't really a thing yet, yeah. like the way it was today. Um, also, so, real, real, real quick, if I could. Also, keep in mind that this was the time period before uh, uh, systems had built-in hard drives or, or memory cards or anything like that, where a saved game was almost unheard of. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, if, you, if you died in the game, you started over from the very beginning. Like, once you ran out of lives and you, you know, the game was over, you went back to the very freaking beginning. And that happened a lot. I mean, the term Nintendo hard existed for a reason. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, um, so they took the Doki Doki Panic game with the Mario engine that they designed, put the Mario characters back into it, and then just kind of shipped that off and said, here, here's your Mario 2. <laughs> and it did all right. Like, Mario 3 would eventually crush it in terms of popularity. And then, like, Super Mario World spoke for itself. But... Um, but Mario 2, like, it had a lot going for it, um, the American release anyway. Mm-hmm. I like that they were daring, that they were willing to take some risks and make it different rather than just keep the same thing but harder. I'm a weirdo because I'm a really, really big fan of Princess Peach, but not the way people think of Princess Peach. Like, mm. the way I knew her growing up, she was kind of, like... People think of her as this helpless airhead damsel nowadays, but back in the day, she was actually kind of considered a badass. Like, she was somewhere between action girl and physical goddess. Like, the reason Bowser originally kidnapped her in the first Super Mario was because if he didn't, she could undo everything he did with a snap of her fingers. At least that's what the manual said. Mm. They still put up a bit in, in Legend of the Seven Stars, though. Thankfully. Yes. <laughs> like, I love no. when she's playable. Any game where she's playable is going to be one of my favorites, hands down. And the flying, that helped a lot because she was based yeah, on... Yeah, she's really useful in that game. Yeah. <laughs> give, a, give a character who can... Who, give a character in a platform game the ability to fly, and I immediately love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And it helps that even though it didn't start off as, like, an official Mario game... So many of the elements it introduced would later become part of the canon, like the Shy Guys and mm-hmm. Luigi being taller and able to jump higher than Mario, uh, Bert, Birdo as a recurring character. <laughs> Birdo's great. <laughs> Birdo, the, the Birdo, the very first gender queer uh, uh, character yeah. in the 8 bit era. Gender yeah. queer, gender non conforming, uh, I guess would be a more another term that i don't it's hard to say i just call it i just call her birdo sure <laughs> yeah and also um not to mention that um you know the only appearance of wart i mean not counting the cameos and the re-releases and all that kind of stuff but yeah wart had never been in another mario game since yeah which is a shame because he's a really interesting character and the idea of Subcon, the world of Mario 2, is some fascinating concepts, but 
they just kind of ended it with all just a dream and like nobody decided to pick up after that and i understand right. why bad about mario 2 and having that all just a dream uh ending but subcon is supposed to be the world of dreams so i really don't know how else they could have ended it mm. i guess it kind of makes sense it's kind of like you know how um with Link's Awakening, it's like, oh, you know, the whole island was based off of the dream of, um, of a, you know, of a whale or something. And, you know, when they wake it up, it's like, oh, it's gone. It's like, how do you follow up to that? Pop quiz. Are we talking about Link's Awakening or Final Fantasy X? Yes. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so, yeah, um, uh, here's the thing. I, I always liked playing Mario 2 when I, uh, when I was a kid. I always chose Princess Peach because, you know, the jumping was definitely a, a major help. And I just thought that, you know, the world was just really interesting. Like, you know, you got, you know, the, the, the usual, you know, uh, worlds with like the desert world and then the ice world and then the, the, the you know, the, um, the, the plains and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and also the music was actually really catchy and really memorable mm. that they would, you know, utilize in other Mario games. And also, uh, you know, you have the, the, you know, you have, you know, Birdo and you have, uh, you know, Mauser and Wart. And I, I always had difficulties with um, the, the, with the, you know, the, the slot game. Like I can never really win any lives with the original. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only way I can at least get a chance of it is with the All-Stars pack in which I know that I can, if I time it just right, I could at least win some extra lives but i don't know for the nes yeah. version i just suck oh the all-star pack is amazing for so many reasons like it's really one of the it's one of the few times i can unequivocally say that the remaster is better than the original on nearly every level pretty oh, much yeah, yeah. which Fully is why uh which is why i'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent when we get over to the 3d pack <laughs> yeah we'll get to that Oh, I'm and, excited now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, anybody else have any uh, favorite Mario games that they like want to share? Um, my favorite is not one in the mainstream Mario series, but it's held up as what I consider to be the best for almost two decades, which would be Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. Mm -hmm. I have heard really good things, but never played. No, you, you oh, I just played that for the first time this year. No, finally getting my mitts on a copy was an adventure. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. I, I mentioned this in the GameCube podcast a few years ago, but when I used to work at Goodwill, I remember that we had like a donation of like uh, a Game Bo uh, GameCube with a few extra, like I think we were like 20 something games some controllers and a memory card and a Game Boy player. And uh, a game store in Miami purchased it for $1,000. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If one of those games was Fire Emblem, they probably uh, made a good deal, only spending 1000 on it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what the, 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 I don't even remember what the selection was. All I know, it was just like, you know, we had some games for the GameCube and then we just put it together. Apparently from what I've done some research on is like, you know, a lot of these games didn't really sell very well due to the fact that, you know, the GameCube was essentially like, um, you know, third place when it came to like that console generation compared to the Xbox and PlayStation 2. And also yeah. since most of them haven't been re-released on, you know, digitally, it's like, it's, it's getting harder and harder to find. Yeah, hmm. that's because Nintendo wanted them all done on their proprietary discs, so it made things a little... They also didn't really do much in the way of third party at the time. No. no. Thankfully, they've corrected course with the Switch. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, suddenly but... every game you've ever heard of is on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, unfortunately, but not a thousand year door yet, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, uh, time. If you haven't played it, um, going back to what you said earlier, it is kind. It has a bit of similarities to Link's Awakening in that Mario, in that the, everything takes place outside the Mushroom Kingdom proper. Uh, the game kicks off with Princess Peach being called to this uh, seaside town full of uh, criminals and other shady characters called Rogueport, where she is kidnapped by a new villain group called the X-Nauts, who plan to use her for part of this evil ritual to unleash an ancient demon queen. And Mario has to travel this new world, recruit party members, and try to save Peach before the demon can be unleashed. And it gets, and they do a lot of interesting things. It's not just standard progression, like go to a world, gather, find your party member, go mm -hmm. to the, beat the boss. They switch things up a bit. The third chapter has Mario in a floating city for the wealthy, where he has to rise to the top of the wrestling rank to get yeah. one of Power stars um, in a haunted Mario made it to zeal. <laughs> and if you get that reference, you get a cookie. <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> in a haunted woods area, he actually has his body stolen by a ghost, so he's left as a shadow of his former self, quite literally, and has to yes. find a way to get his body back. There's a there's a nice uh, homage to old to uh, cozy mysteries when he's on a train for three days. And he has to help an inept detective keep solving cases uh, who's trying to sabotage this train. Oh, God. Why hasn't Mario a detective more often? That just sounds hilarious. <laughs> it is. It is absolutely brilliant. And <laughs> one of the final levels actually takes place on the moon, so you know you can't go wrong with that. Right. Well, I mean, it won't be DuckTales, but... <laughs> no. No, it won't be DuckTales, but they put so much heart and they put so much uh, depth into this game, not just in the uh, not just in the world design, but also in the characters you can recruit for your party. Like one of them is a salty old sea captain Babam who's lamenting his uh, who's lamenting the woman he loved who passed away, and you only get him back on your party by finding a lost letter that she wrote to him, which helps him to basically come to terms with her de with her death. So, and the bomb, this picture formed in my head of a bomb with like this huge gray beard and like he does have, a, he does have, have a, one of the important hats. He, he does have a beard and he has a and he has a naval cap. His name is Captain Bobbery. Oh my god, I got it right. <laughs> I love that. I, this is one thing I love about the franchise is that the designs are so easy to visualize. Like they use a lot of really simple characters and then they. They tar they tart them up in just the most in amazing ways to make new characters. It's great. Yeah, and they don't. And they don't applications of uh, standard Mario enemies too. Like there's this one character you can recruit. Her name is Madame Flurry. She's a very voluptuous diva-esque mm -hmm. cloud creature. <laughs> and then perhaps one of the most one of the most beloved characters is uh, Vivian. She's a She's basically a shadow demon who's mistreated by her evil sisters and eventually decides to defect. And she's gained a large fan following. Yeah. And, uh, and um, also, uh, you know, f uh, from what I've heard from the fandom, it's like no other Paper Mario game was able to meet the success of those since. No, it's, and unfortunately because they haven't seemed to like really have been trying that much. I mean, they've tried to switch up the formula, but they're going backwards in terms of, I'd say, you know, 
uh, depth of storytelling and battle mechanics. Yeah. But I don't want to dwell on the bad. I just want to gush about how good Thousand Year Door is. And if you're able to find a copy and go through all the hoops like our dear friend Alex was, don't pass it up. Funny enough, Yama said a lot about what I what I was going to say. Not not mad, just like my the game. I I enjoyed Mario the first Mario Super Mario Brothers game, but the game that I really enjoyed was Super Mario Brothers two. And I remember a lot of people like in my age group where I lived saying that they actually were not very big fans of Super Mario Brothers two because they they did not like that it was so different from the first game. I remember they said the same thing about. Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest they did not like that Castlevania 2 was so different from the first one and I was kind of of the opposite opinion I liked that they did different you know they did something different that they were trying new things you know it seemed like a lot of big name mainstream games in the 80s ran into this kind of obstacle Legend of uh, Zelda 2 the invention of Link, Adventures of Link was criticized for not being like the first game. Castlevania yeah. 2 criticized for not being like the first game. Super Mario mm-hmm. Brothers 2, same thing. Well, but in Castlevania I, case, I kind of get it, because Castlevania 2 can be really obtuse if you don't already know what you're doing. But Try to get Dad's subscription to Nintendo <laughs> Power. Oh, God, yeah, right? <laughs> so I, but I, Super Mario Brothers 2, even after I got Super Mario Brothers 3, even after I loved Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario Brothers 2 was still a game that I would go back and play and enjoy. Uh, another game that I really enjoyed was not on uh, NES, it was on the Game Boy, and Yama probably already knows which one I'm talking about, because we had this conversation not long ago, but... Mm. Um, uh, was Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. That was a game that I really enjoyed playing because it seemed like that was kind of a bridge between the early platforming games that I was familiar with and the more RPG style that Mario would adapt later on when Mario went 3D. You know, you had Paper Mario and you had the... Uh, 3D Mario games, you know, like Super Mario Sunshine and so forth. Uh, but, you know, it was a game that had a little bit more of a story behind it. And I thought some of the levels in that game were, they were strange, but they were also kind of cool. I remember my favorite Mario, I remember my favorite level in that game. One of my favorite levels was the Pumpkin Zone, of course. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, like Halloween Town. Is anyone surprised? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was a very uh, that was a very strange game, especially with some of the enemies you fought, like the one where you went into the giant version of Mario, like yes. the animal <laughs> version, and then weren't the bosses you fought the three little pigs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like that was sometime you know, like I would play that game, and there would just be moments where I was like, "What were they?" <laughs> <laughs> To clarify, this was also the game that introduced Wario, so that should give you some idea of the mentality that people were having when they made this game. Yeah, you have a good point. Yeah, but yeah, I remember I liked the the tree zone, I liked the micro zone, where you went inside the big house and every, you know, like you were, basically it was a variation on Giant Land. 
I liked uh, Space Zone. I even liked the mini level where you rode the hippo bubbles to get to Space Zone. I thought that was kind of funny. That but, was fun. uh, it was just a game that I had fun playing, you know? Yeah. And it, I would go back and I would play it just because it was a lot of fun to do. It's when you the back. It's when you look at like the extended uh, story for it, and you learn that the reason why Wario has such a vendetta against Mario is because Mario was a dick to him when they were younger. <laughs> I mean, that's like something you wouldn't expect. That this character, who's never really been, you know, fleshed out before, and is supposed to be seen as the great hero, he could actually be very uh, hostile. He could be very mean to others. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, uh, you know, you took my coins, and now you took my castle, and now you put it into your own. It's like, you're essentially just taking what I have. How dare you? Mm. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, so, but it, it did show that Mario could be, that there was more to Mario that we didn't know, and it would also inspire MatPat to make a dozen theory videos on the same thing about Mario being an asshole. Yeah, MatPat's really obsessed with this whole evil Mario idea. Remember the one that he did about him being a communist? Oh, yeah. Brother. I know, right? It's like, huh? Like, not yeah. everyone spends all of his time grabbing up coins. I don't think that's exactly the redistributing of the wealth that people have in mind when they think of that. No, that happens. That happens in the party games. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody likes it there. Yeah, I actually did not get a chance to play either of the Super Mario Land games because. Um, I never owned a Game Boy. My little brother did, but around the time he got one was around the time Pokemon was starting to happen. And when Pokemon happens, nothing else goes into the machine. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. I'm surprised nobody's talked about this yet, but my favorite, um, when it came out, I'm not going to lie, Super Mario Odyssey just became like my new favorite. Yes. Like, yes. For the Odyssey long time. Yeah. For the longest time, Super Mario Brothers 3 was my favorite, and I still, I'll still defend that as a great game. I don't know if we're going to touch on the um, All-Stars pack for the Super Nintendo. I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but I replay, I played that version earlier this year, and <laughs> me, I'm just thinking after playing a game with, like, with, like, the ability to save, and, like, it saves your power-ups, I just thought, Jesus, I can't go back. <laughs> I have a full inbox copy of the original version of that, but yeah, so much about um, Super Mario Odyssey just blew me away when I got that game. Um, like, I think a, I think a lot of the games have been uh, pretty decent. Uh, like the new games like as Derek Alexander said I think Nintendo needs to get a little better at branding but um which the is new a little games, ironic considering how good they were at branding for so long yeah <laughs> I don't know I feel like they've kind of gotten better at branding like this morning I was thinking about what a the about that like they they had in terms of naming their systems they had two strikeouts with the Wii and then the even worse Wii U and then they had a home run with the Switch, which not only rolls off the tongue, but also describes what it does. I kind of feel that it's kind of pouring over into the games, because going from New Super Mario Brothers to Odyssey kind of feels the same way. So what were your favorite worlds in Odyssey? Uh, it's, 
Hard to pick a favorite world. I, the city world definitely springs to mind. That was a really fun one. Oh, that was great. And the, had, I mean, the musical number really sold things. Oh, yeah. I love the songs. And the best part, like, I'm a big, I'm, <laughs> Patty knows this. I'm a big Sailor Moon fan. And yep. the girl who sings both uh, uh, Jump Up Superstar and Break Free, the song for the last level, is the English voice of Sailor Mercury in the new Sailor Moon dubs. Yeah, so I, I was on board when I learned about that. And she's oh. a terrific singer. Yeah, and here's the thing, like, she didn't even know what the song was when she was, you know, hired for the job, which makes a lot of sense, because when you hear the song, you don't think Mario. It doesn't, it, yeah, it definitely doesn't sound like something you'd associate with them, but. Well, unless you listen to the lyrics, and then the lyrics are like, all Mario. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I from what I understand, the, it's actually different in Japanese because it actually has like references to Mario but they decided to change the lyrics up a bit to give it more of a wider appeal which it's an interesting choice. Right. I love the this had some of like I mean Mario usually does well with like beach and ocean levels but this had probably one of the best with uh the Blaine one world where you're where you've been swimming through like carbonated water. <laughs> Really? I don't yeah. think I saw that one. Oh, it's it's very it's very entertaining, and it actually had me thinking about how cool that would be to do it in real life. Just like fill up a pool with sparkling water or club soda and just swim through to see how it feels. <laughs> You'll need goggles. That shit gets in your eyes; it hurts. Well, I, well yeah, I believe it because uh, I wear contacts, so don't you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking online. I wonder if it looks so beautiful. It's based on the French Riviera. Oh, that explains it. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, it's a, it's a fast, it is a wonderful game. I just love how they, I love all the things you can do with the bodies, the body swapping mechanic. Yeah. The one that, that shocked me the first time that I saw it was the dinosaur one. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. I, I was like, the fuck is this thing even doing in a Mario game? I mean, I know Super Mario World was a thing, but I guess I just was not expecting the dinosaur to be, yeah. you know, like Jurassic Park dinosaur. Yeah, no, you, have, yeah. You, have, you have a cartoony game, but then you have a realistic looking T-Rex and the dragon boss straight out of Dark Souls. Yeah, I don't think Mario's ever fought like a dragon before outside of maybe one of the Mario and Luigi games, I guess. The RPGs, he's fought some dragons, but they're more cartoonish in design. Yeah. So that is neat. Like, I'm looking forward to the Mario Zelda crossover. It is inevitable at this point. Oh, that has to happen. I'm kind of surprised <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, other than Zelda appearing in the first Super Mario RPG. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, Link and Samus showed up in that as cameos. I got to play through that again because I do not remember. And I loved Mario RPG, so win-win. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I was late to the party with beating that game. I only... I, I first played it around the same time I graduated college, but I didn't beat it until like two years ago. It's a, it's a pretty fun game, though. Two things I wanted to say about Super Mario Odyssey that are kind of funny about my playthrough. Um, one, because of the way the game is structured, I kid you not, I, sh I accidentally skipped one of the bosses. I got enough moons and like, the second world, I think it was, that I actually like beat that beat that world and progressed without actually facing the boss. Oops. Like when you have to face the harder bosses later, it's like, wait a minute, when was that? 
So I doubled back for an easy moon. The other thing is... too, Because Mario bosses are usually some of the best things. Like, even if they're simple as hell, they still make an impression. I think that's one of the other things I really like about Mario Odyssey is it may have the one of the best boss lineups in the series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Those evil rabbits? Yeah. Yeah. I, I admit I don't know much about them, so all I know is that they're rabbits and slightly creepy. Not you creepy, actual creepy. I'm also curious about, like, you know, the fact that you actually get to interact with real humans. Yeah. It's mainly in the city world, though. Yeah. Yeah, which, um, you know, apparently, according to the manual, is, like, where the original Donkey Kong came from. Yeah, they even call it New Donk City. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. I realize that's not supposed to be a, a double entendre, but it seems like one. Yeah. You know, I normally you keep my mind out of the gutter, but even I... <laughs> I don't blame you. And it's just great to see Pauline again. True. Very true. true. And as the mayor of the, the, the name of that place. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I really love that they did that. That was like one of my favorite things about the game. Oh yeah, that sold it. Well, that sold it to a lot of people. I also loved how they made Bowser's World a, uh, you know, completely inspired. They gave it a nice feudal Japanese theme instead of sticking with the standard medieval castle. Right. It was a neat change, and I'm really glad that they went with it, because honestly, like, I was never, like, I'm no expert on villain layers, but I was never sure what drove Bowser to make his place like that. And with the Japanese style, it looks more like like he's inspired by Japanese mythology, which is where I believe he's from, although I couldn't tell yes, you. Yes, he is. He's, he's based off of a character from Journey to the West. Yeah. And really? I know yeah. Ganon was. I wasn't sure. I wasn't yeah. aware Bowser was as well. Yeah, and the Koopas are based on Kappas, so... Wow, I feel for not realizing that until today. That I, yeah, I had figured that out a long time ago. <laughs> I was today years old when I realized I should have known that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably already sounding old for saying this, but probably Mario RPG, just by a little bit. Thousand Year Door is very close. I'd say closer and closer, the more you know how to optimize different challenges for it, because there's a lot of variety. But I think RPG not only laid the groundwork, it also kind of fit in so many just different environments and enemy designs that seemed really out of place for the Mario universe. And for a Super Nintendo RPG, it actually did set the groundwork for a lot of later concepts, like being able to see enemies in the other world or in the overworld and actually avoid them if you're able to because aside from maybe earthbound you couldn't really do that in any other games at the time like not final fantasy or dragon quest i don't know maybe there was like a shin megami tensei game that could sort of do do that at the time but i'm not really too aware of it chrono trigger uh, yeah i guess chrono trigger they came out around the same time uh i think super mario rpg came out a little later um but probably time to get more polished <laughs> Watch out, he knows about timed hits. Basically, yeah, the timed hit mechanic I th think is pretty good because it allows some games kind of go overboard with that and they have them make minor differences. Like if you've played Final Fantasy VIII, there's a timing mechanic there and it does basically nothing. But uh, overall, I think the environments are nice. The enemy designs actually have a good bit of depth. Uh, 
you know, you mentioned that there's the Zelda, the Link and Samus cameos in certain scenes, but, you know, they also have some other minor cameos here and there. Uh, they throw in the Super Boss Kulex uses the Final Fantasy IV boss music because it was partly made by Square Enix. Uh, they have, there's a shop in the game where you can see models of the F-Zero car and the R-Wing from Star Fox. So really, they, they try to throw in references without them being in your face about it. And you can really avoid right. or just walk right past most of them but it's, they still took the time to deal with it. Also, there's a boss, a very minor boss, very close to the end of the game that looks almost exactly like Shovel Knight, but he looks different enough that Nintendo never filed a suit against Shovel Knight for it. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah. And, like, there are not many RPGs I can say that I liked literally the entire cast, but Mario RPG is definitely one of them. Like, even Mallow, who no one seems to like for some reason, I thought was just really interesting as a character concept. Like well, Mallow's a good character, and I really wish we saw his species again. I don't know. I guess you could maybe argue that Flurry might be kind of connected because they're cloud people, but it's, it's such a different design. That's a bit of a leap. I didn't yeah. need a spoiler, guys. Mallow's a cloud dude. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the reason why is because a lot of people seem to, like, you know, go over towards more Gino than Mallow. Yeah, everyone's fascinating, too. I love him as well, but, like, I see Mallow get this really disproportionate amount of hate. I haven't really seen that, to be honest. Like, I get a lot of people think he's annoying or he's useless or he doesn't serve a purpose once you get Peach. I mean, yeah, if, like, if you're just going strictly mechanically, then, yeah, Peach is better than him at the healing. And, really, Gano's better than him at the damage. But, like, that shouldn't really impact him, his likability as a character. Like, plus, you don't get Peach for, like, halfway, half the game anyway. Right. No. That is yeah, another thing, I guess. It's the first time Peach was really useful outside of Mario 2, where it was technically just a dream. So you could argue this was the first or second. It's it's not really uh, much of a point for me, but still, she is able to. She is a lot better than you would initially expect, just from like the original game. <laughs> Give the girl a frying pan and let her get to work. Yep, yep. that came out wrong. <laughs> Little bit. You all know what I mean. Tangled style frying pan. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I love Super Mario RPG, and for that matter, Super Mario 3. Like, all the, game, all the games you guys have mentioned that I have played are amazing, and the ones I haven't, I want to. Well, hopefully you get the chance to soon. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say that my, I mean, the, the, for the longest time, my favorite was probably Super Mario World until I played um, Galaxy for the Wii. Mm. And... Yes. Yeah, no, the reason why is because I remember when I first got the Wii and, you know, Mario Galaxy was like my, the first game that I bought, you know, with addition to the Wii Sports that came with it. And, you know, I, I hadn't played a Mario game, you know, for a while. Like, I didn't play Mario 64 until way later, and I didn't play Sunshine until way later. So this was like my first game to come back to it ever since Mario World. And so when I first played it, I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like all of the levels are fantastic and the music is gorgeous and the story was interesting. It's like, wow, you know, I was just blown away with it. And Mario Galaxy 2 was also incredible. Oh yeah, both of those games are bangers. Mm -hmm. One of the few Mad Pat theories I buy is his theory about Rosalina. Yeah, about like, what was it? Rosalina was like related to um, Mario like, or Luigi or something. 
yeah. she's descended from Luigi and Peach, which, see, and this is one thing, like, at the risk of starting a shipping war, I always saw Mario as kind of like Peach's knight, and Luigi as more like an actual boyfriend for her. Mm, I think I remember watching a digital gaming video about like there were concept art of making uh, Peach and Rosalina look similar because they were originally supposed to be related, but then they scrapped that so that they differentiated her to make her look different. Not that much. Mm. <laughs> one thing I really, one thing I really enjoyed about the Mario Galaxy games is just how well they worked in like the gravity mechanics with the motion controls. Yeah. I mean, it- it's not 100% oh, yeah. real, real, but they do try to make it feel like you have a different sense of, you know, a different feeling of weight and the different impact of gravity depending on what world you're in. Yeah, like, I mean, now this wasn't the first time in which I experienced something like this because I played Ratchet and Clank going commando and it had something similar to that in which, like, you know, you had, like, the rotating moons and planets and you got to connect them uh, with beams with your one of your gadgets. So I had experienced something like that, but that was just, like, you know, something quick. I mean, it wasn't, like, you know, there was levels dedicated to that, but they weren't, they were, like, the side levels. They weren't, like, the main levels. And you didn't, you know, those weren't, like, you know, uh, throughout the entire game. You know, you got to do your usual platforming and collecting weapons and all that kind of stuff. But with this one, you know, it takes full advantage of it with the gravity mechanics and the different worlds and it had a whole bunch of variety with like different um you know mechanics and all that kind of stuff and the power-ups which uh, okay admittedly the power-ups were you know kind of a little weak i mean you know i i didn't really care too much for the spray mario or that was uh, so um i know nothing about mario galaxy can you tell us what the power-ups were let's see there was b mario uh where mario gets to turn into a b and he flies around and he uh gets yes, uh, the like hun- yeah and he gets the honeycomb and he climbs on it like a bee would like with you know, climbing on honeycomb there's actually one level where you got to you know get to meet up with the queen bee and there were like f- uh, sections of the stars that you needed to, to, to get so that you can be able to go over to the portal to or you know to go over to the next part of the, the level and you actually had to like yeah you know climb all over her Mario, the star attraction at the Honey Bee Inn. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That just slipped out. <laughs> anyway, please carry on. Yeah. Uh, then there was also the Ice Flower, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, you know, you got to use it to run, uh, you know, like run on water where, you know, like they had like the little icicles. You got, actually got to shoot, uh, you know, Goombas and Koopa Troopas and they turn into ice, which I thought was pretty neat. They had the, you know, the classic Fire Flower. They have the rock power up where you get to roll it into a rock like Goron from Zelda. And uh, they also had a power up that it was only available like toward the end of the game where you got to like fly around. I guess it's something akin to like the cap from Super Mario 64, except that it doesn't really last for very long, which is like the uh, which was a shame because I thought it was a really cool power up, but it's only used for the hub world. It's not used for any of the levels. Yeah, some yeah, some of them were. There was also um, the ghost power that was that let you phase through walls and become temporarily invisible. Oh, that was that was actually really cool. But again, it was only used for like the the ghost levels. Yeah. Then in Mario Two, they had one that kind of had potential, but it didn't seem to be used that well. The cloud one, where you could, it was kind of like the ice 
the ice flower, but it let you make platforms in the sky instead of on water. Yeah, originally there was supposed it was supposed to be like a demon Mario, which was supposed to be like, oh, you know, it's based off of this, you know, demon from Japanese mythology where he dealt with like clouds and stuff like that. But I guess they thought it would be like, you know, too scary for kids. And so they decided to like, you know, have it like cloud where, you know, he's like dressed as a cloud and he, you know, gets clouds mm -hmm. or something. I think well, I know the cloud what, form was actually pretty abusable because while you were in cloud mode, even if you didn't have any with you, you could jump slightly higher and gravity didn't affect you as much, so your jumps were further as well. I want to say that the deity in question was either Raijin or Raiden. Yeah, that demon. I can actually see a Raijin Mario. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and they could work it in with the switch with the switch controllers too if you give them those drums to like move them up and down and rain lightning down on the enemies. Oh, that would be fun. Although, on the other hand, Luigi is kind of more associated with lightning, I think, because in some of the Gaiden games, he uses that instead of uh, fireballs. So, a Raiden Luigi with a fire god Mario, I think I'm developing a mythology fan fiction in my head. Somebody please stop me. <laughs> <laughs> he does this more often than you might think. I, I can believe that. Uh, you want to talk fan fiction? All right, you guys were discussing nonsense MatPat theories earlier. Yeah. I got one here that I think is going to blow everybody away. Uh, this is something that, I don't know, popped into my head a few years ago. I'll keep this as condensed as possible. But I, I believe that I have evidence that Bowser can defeat Godzilla. Are you ready for this? All right, so check this out. In 1993, Dark Horse Comics released a promo comic with uh, Bubblegum Company. Godzilla versus Charles Barkley, where the two played a basketball game together. Now, although it was interrupted, Barkley was winning during this game. And for reference sake, this was before he broke, I believe it was 20,000 career points in the 95-96 NBA season. Now, speaking of 96, that's the year Space Jam came out, where he had his talent stolen by the Monstars, who competed in a basketball game against Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. The Looney Tunes were able to put up a fight against them, but they were not able to put up a fight against Judge Doom in the 80s hit movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But Judge Doom was defeated by Eddie Valiant. Eddie Valiant was played by Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins played Mario in the live-action Mario movie, and he needed Luigi's help to defeat Bowser. There you go. Airtight. <laughs> I, I feel like I just ran a Mario Kart racetrack. <laughs> your logic is sound, Eric. Your logic is sound. Oh, come on. That's better than like half the clickbait videos you'll see on YouTube, and I did it in an eighth of the time. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, it's, it's a good theory. It's just, wow, that's a, like, I've never six degrees of separation that much in my life. <laughs> <sighs> I'm trying to remember, like, just some, in general, some weird things that I remember, like Mario you know, Mario's face on growing up. And like, does anyone else besides me remember the Super Mario Brothers Super Show? I remember oh, it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, like, and, and I think that, the, I think one of the things about it that, like, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it when I was a kid. As I was, when I was a kid, it was just something lame that I had to sit through. But does anybody remember, you all remember the live action bits and how Mario was, was played by, uh, what Captain Lou Albano. Yep. Uh-huh. A pro wrestler, no less. I remember there were a lot of pro wrestlers, uh, you know, in those uh, live action segments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess they were trying to be like, oh, wow, Hulk Hogan's doing really well with his, with his television appearances. Let's see if we can do the same. That could very well have been 
you know, the train of thought that they were on. It yeah, really I mean, like, you know, I know that Andre the Giant was also another contender as well, because, you know, he had been in a few TV segments, and he did The Princess Bride, so maybe they were trying to do the next Hulk Hogan or Andre the Giant. I mean, nowadays we have John Cena! <laughs> but, yeah, or, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but, yeah, you know what, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, or, or Bautista. Or, or Bautista, yeah. yeah. But it, I think he did a pretty good job, and he is kind of the reason why even with how Charles Martinet has been in the role for the past 25 years, why I always default to uh, Mario having a New York accent. Mm. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting interpretation, considering that, uh, you know, I, I don't think that even Miyamoto came up with the idea of it. No, I mean, from what I understand, it might have been kind of related, kind of based on how they were, uh, wasn't, New wasn't Nintendo's uh, American headquarters in New York City? Maybe it was, but nowadays I think it's in Washington. Yeah. And I believe oh, there's a reasonably large Italian-American population there. That's no, my, true. No, my mistake. They were, they were in, they were in, uh, they were in Seattle. Okay, so it was in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was in Washington, but the the guy who owned the warehouse they operated out of was uh, an Italian. He was Italian in origin. His name was Mario Segale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was the inspiration for Mario. So I guess they figured, okay, we want to do some influ. We want to give him some inspiration. Where are where do a lot of Italian people live? New York City. Sure. I mean, it's actually curious. I mean, did Mario Segale had a Brooklyn accent? I don't know. Hmm. I hear that name and I think of the owner of a restaurant chain, and I know that's a different Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm actually curious in the comments if any of you guys know if Mario Sigali did actually have a Brooklyn accent. I don't think so, but I'm I'm curious. But yeah, it's he actually. Had, Go ahead. He probably had some accent because it says his parents were immigrants. So. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, but it's actually interesting because, you know, that interpretation of Mario would carry on to the other, like, earlier Mario games, like, even, like, the PC games, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, Mario Teaches Typing, or, you know, mm -hmm. even, like, um, the Philips CDI games. Oh, I had Mario Teaches Typing. Oh, uh, oh yeah, I played that so much as a kid. Amazingly, <laughs> I still didn't learn to type that well until middle school. Oh, no, yeah. I'm still a master of Hunt and Peck to this day. Yeah, same here. And also, I think that, you know, because of the interpretation that Lou Albino did, I guess that's what kind of inspired the portrayal of uh, Bob Hoskins in the Mario Brothers movie. Uh, oh, geez, now I can see it, and I cannot unsee it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, like, I didn't even really think that hard about it. It was just, to me, Bob Hoskins was doing Captain Lou, you know? I mean, he it was... I kind of just thought they wanted him to do Eddie Valiant. Yeah, they did. I, I guess that's what their I guess what their main mindset was. It's like, yeah, like you know, uh, Bob Hoskins did really well with uh, Roger Rabbit, and um, did did Hook come out after or before the Mario? Before movie? Hook came out. In, Hook came before. out before. Okay, yeah. so it's like, yeah, we got this, uh, you know, actor from Roger Rabbit. Let's see if we can bring him for our Mario movie. I really liked him in Hook. I just don't think he was. Like, physically, he looked fine, like, as far as the aesthetic of the, of the movie went, but I don't know. It's just, I think of Mario, and I think of somebody a little bit more cheerful, I guess. Sure. I still remember, I still remember I, this, uh, this fun anecdote from Dennis Hopper, who played, uh, who played Koopa in that movie. Mm -hmm. 
when uh, after his son saw it and he thought it was a bad one, he asked he asked Dennis, Dad, why did you agree to be in this movie? And he said, well, it was to make <laughs> enough money to get you shoes, to get you new shoes, son. And uh, Dennis's son told him, I don't need shoes that badly, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know, I know it's a bit of a hot take, but uh, for what he was called to do, I I still think Bob Hoskins did a pretty enter, did a pretty good job. Pretty. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say something, and I know it's gonna be a hot take. And I know I am alone on an island, all by myself, deserted and forgotten. He loves this I'm movie, doesn't say, he? But I actually kind of like the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. Called it. <laughs> no, don't worry. You're, you know, well, you know what? If we're, if we're letting skeletons out of the closet, you can feel better you're no, you're not, knowing you're not alone because that's a major guilty pleasure of mine, yeah. too. Okay. Yeah, I know this movie is bad, okay? It, it's, it's bad. But I kind of enjoy it in its own badness, you know? I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. A live-action Super Mario Brothers movie is going to be weird. Like, yeah. When you think about yeah. it, when you really put your mind to it, the Mushroom Kingdom is a fucked-up place. You know, like, the clouds are literally smiling at you. Skulls <laughs> have eyes and mouths, you know? Like, like and that's not... And, and like, those like, like on abilities. <laughs> I... I know there's no Mario series out now, but this, while this isn't canon, do any have any of you ever seen the Super Mario Glitchy Four videos? No, no. They're kind of like Machinima videos. They've been around for almost a decade. It's about well, it's basically these two brothers who live in Australia started making these videos of Mario getting in dumb adventures, and now they've expanded to their own little media empire where they're producing their own series. But uh, the SMG4 is their main series, and they put out a video almost every week, which involves Mario getting in some weird adventure. Hang on, these you... aren't the same guys who did Super Mario Brothers Z, are they? No, it's a different one. And okay. they, come up, they come up with some weird stuff. Uh, just to give a little example of some of the videos that they've put out this year. Bowser loses custody of his children. Mario gets arrested for tax fraud and escapes with the help of the Yoshis, who all belong to a tax fraud council. Mario meets Siren Head. Mario and a group raid a leader raid on YouTube headquarters and end up having to fight Susan Wojcicki, who has a Velociraptor's head. And the very first video that came out this year had Mario getting his dick stuck in the door. Of course. Yes. Ow. See, I was almost on board and then that. Yeah. Well, in regards to the Mario movie, there's a somewhat interesting fan theory. I don't know how many of you guys follow Brain Scratch commentary on YouTube, but they had a running joke where they think Wario and Waluigi are actually the Scapelli family from the Mario movie, which kind of makes sense when you think about it. Hmm. That is kind of interesting, yeah. Huh. Yeah, because, um, you know, the, you know, because Super Mario uh, Land 2, Six Golden Coins would have came out, and Wario was already an established character. So maybe it could be a possibility. We could have had Bob Hoskins doing double duty. <laughs> oh my god! That would, yeah, that would have been neat to see. I mean, like, it would have been interesting. I'm going to cop to it. Like, the Mario movie is objectively weird, and the idea of a live-action Mario, I just feel, is like intrinsically flawed. Like, either go animation or don't go at all. 
but they did their best with what they had and they tried to and again i applaud risk taking even mm -hmm. when it ends up in something a little bit final fantasy 7 <laughs> like that's the that's the best thing i can think of like the koopas the i guess it's still the mushroom kingdom but it looks like midgar so what you're trying to say is is that this movie represents something from final fantasy then final fantasy the spirits within yes oh, yes i am wow <laughs> I've been watching the wrong movie this whole time. <laughs> I mean, I won't say it's better than Advent Children, but it's definitely got spirits within beat. Oh, no. And I don't know anybody who doesn't like Big Bertha. <laughs> she was awesome. She, I mean, like, that's the thing about it. It was weird. It was definitely in its own surreal little world. But there were a lot of good things about it. I love Big Bertha. I in a very strange way, like Lena as a villain. I liked the stompers, you know, the shoes that they, the rocket boots that they had, you know. There were, and I liked the overall design of Dino Hat. There were a lot of things in the movie to like, you know. It's just kind of, it comes together and makes this kind of incoherent mess, but it's also kind of entertaining, you know, if you can get through the fact that it's not true to, you know, Mario Cannon. Yeah, I think it would be re it would be respected better if it wasn't attached to the Mario name. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably yeah. would. Like yeah. it would go in there with things like Crawl or other like weird fantasy type movies like that. It, like those weird '80s fantasy movies. Yeah, it would fit right mm -hmm. in with those. Even though it was an early '90s movie, I know, but I'm saying it would still belong kind of in that package at the same time. I don't mm -hmm. entirely know about that because I feel like it it might not be have seen be have seen as harshly at the time, but I feel like nobody would actually talk about it then because if it was just a right. generic movie without any of the Mario characters and they called it I don't know lizards from the underground or something, nobody <laughs> would really acknowledge it as anything more than a shitty sci-fi movie. Yeah. 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 Mystery yeah. Science Theater three thousand got their hands on it. Yeah, yeah possible. Maybe they should have <laughs> called maybe they should have called it Dino City. Yeah. <laughs> I almost love that. Like, I wanted to say Dinotopia, but then I remembered, oh, yeah, that's Taken. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah but I, I mean, this would only be, like, the beginning of, like, a slew of, you know, either really <laughs> mediocre or really, really bad video game adaptations until, mm -hmm. like, when would you say was, like, the first good one? Or at least the one that's, like, I don't want to, like, you know, gouge my eyes out. Mortal Probably. Kombat. Mortal Kombat, yeah. <laughs> Not a Mortal Kombat at least had a budget to it. I think the first one that the internet universally did not decide it hated was the first Tomb Raider movie, but other than that, I don't really know. Mm. Tomb Raider was all right. Like, I, I actually, that's my kind of guilty pleasure movie because, like, I love Angelina Jolie's Lara. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I just hated he everything. everything. <laughs> I, I haven't seen those, though. I am mildly curious because... Arnold Judas Rimmer himself, Chris Berry, is in those movies. Yeah. And they got both Daniel Craig and Gerard Butler as leading men for her. Oh. So somebody's doing something right. Yep. It also, you know, makes me wonder about, like, what is Illumination going to be doing about the Mario movie? Oh, God, they're the ones with hold of it? Yep. Yes. Oh, no, the Toads are going to be the minions. Oh. <laughs> I hope not. Me too. But yeah. yeah, I have a terrible feeling 
as if millions of spores cried out in anger and were suddenly silenced. <laughs> that reminds me, when exactly did Toads become a meme character on the internet? Because I remember in the early days of YouTube, when Screw Attack did something other than Death Battle, they would constantly badger Toad as being just an, an annoying and useless character. But then it seemed like, I'm guessing that Game Grumps and their Toad jokes had something to do with it. It seemed like he became a meme character midway through the decade. I think I remember that, you know, they, I think they put uh, Toad as like one of the most annoying things about video games or one of the most annoying video game characters about like, oh, your princess is in another castle. And then there was that whole, you know, thing about like, oh, look, Toad is flipping on you when they, drew, you know, drew like, oh, you know, Toad is like holding his wrists and like, you know, two little, you know, like pixels around. It's like, oh, he's given the finger or something like that. I mean, also Super Mario 3D World had something to do with it, because I know that there was a couple of Toad guidance, like Toad side missions and stuff, and he proved that he has, like, a lot of talents. That is true, and I guess the precursor to Captain Toad was, like, the Galaxy games, because they had that starship ready, but that was, it, they didn't do enough in that game for it to actually start off yet. Plus, they gave him that annoying uh, sound file for the Toad voices, which is high-pitched and gravelly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it almost kind of reminded me of the the stuff from like um, the the Super Mario Brothers show where they you know had oh, Toad and he had like that, that high pitched voice. Yeah, yeah, it haunts me. I know, I know we've talked a lot about the American Super Mario Brothers too, but don't forget he he was he, he was probably the least useful character. I've heard he's the fastest character in that game, but uh, compared to Peach and Luigi, I've never felt the urge to use him in that game. Me neither. Fast. He picks things up fast. It's like, there's a lot of speed there, and so he's good if you're trying to challenge yourself, but not, like, over much. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to use Peach's floating ability or Luigi's, like, slow descent, uh, Toad is, like, the probably the second easiest character to use in that game, as long as you don't mind, like, platforming being a lot more challenging. Right. He's probably the best fighter of the four, like, in that game. Mm -hmm. Which is weird because it's not really combat-oriented, but, yeah. If Mario 2 were multiplayer, I could see somebody always picking him. Yeah, and also, you know, I think that, you know, with Toad's popularity, you know, eventually, you know, he got the Captain Toad games, and then, you know, he would, like, appear in, like, Luigi's Mansion to rescue him, or, you know, all the, like, other side games. So I guess it, it was, you know, inevitable that Toad was going to be more popular, but I just hope that Illumination doesn't go, hey, you know, we have these Toad characters, let's make them into minions, or something like that. Okay. It's like, I've always had an issue with Illumination, you know, that and Blue Sky Studio, in which they just do movies for you know it's like oh let's do these safe movies that are like yeah. marketed for the general audience but they just make so much money and it makes me really upset that studios like Leica who you know they do so much interesting um you know styles of storytelling and animation that they just con they consistently flop in the box office I'm sad because I'm staring at both my copy of Kubo and the two strings and my copy of the Peanuts movie and I love them both equally I can't decide mm -hmm. <laughs> It's it's hard to say, but yeah, both of them are pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that um, another thing that I, I want to bring up when it comes to uh, Mario is that um, I don't know, you know, I, I think that you know when it comes to like the, the the sports games, you know, a lot of people like like the card games or they like the the the, the soccer games or the basketball games or the tennis or the golf. 
or you know anything like that I, I know a lot of people like really like those kind of games because they're like party games and then the side games like luigi's mansion had spun off into its own trilogy which you know a lot of people really enjoy and you know then of course you know him and super smash brothers so yeah i mean like you know he's essentially like the the quintessential you know character i mean even like people who don't even like games it's like when they think of a game they think either him or pac-man yeah mm -hmm. i think there's something universal to Mario because he's not uh, the, he's not some like uh, you know he's not some physically ad advanced Superman. He doesn't have any impressive powers or the best training. He's just an average guy who was thrust into thrust into an encounter beyond his limits, and he decided, you know, screw it, I'm gonna fight for what's right. Also, jump good. Yes. <laughs> yes. True. Yes, yeah. Mario does not fly. He jumps good. <laughs> except, except, for, except for when he has the uh, the raccoon power up, then he flies. The mm. raccoon, the tanuki, the cape, the rabbit ears. I, I feel like the list is growing. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it has been. Um, yeah, is there any other things that we want to like talk about right before we you know go over to the last bit that I wanted to talk about with the 3D pack? Well, I do like touching on the Gaiden games because I haven't played very many of them. I mean, Mario Party is its own beast and that has its own risks, but I don't think people would get as emotional about it if there weren't something really compelling about the gameplay. And like Mario Kart is probably the best kart racer out there. I mean, it started the genre as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of these games, like, people will laugh about Mario being thrown into everything from tennis to carts to whatever. But all of these games, they really work hard on making them fun and entertaining and good. And the Mario cast is just kind of there to serve as vehicles for the game. Yeah, it, it's kind of like how sometimes I feel about Sonic, in which, like, you have all of these characters sometimes that they would appear in the games and they would play in different levels and other times they're just there. I think the difference here is that Mario's characters are varied enough and diverse enough that they all bring something to the table. Like, I don't look at Daisy and look at Peach and go, well, what's the point of you? Because Daisy is a very different character from Peach, mm -hmm. even though they look so similar. Yeah, I guess that is true. And also, you know, you have like, oh, you know, they always, um, you know, have the same structures like, oh, you know, Mario saves the princess from the cast, uh, from Bowser at the castle and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, a lot of, you know, there were some people, I remember at one point were just getting really sick of the Mario games and then they switch over to something else. And then when the indie uh, game started like you know exploding like with like super meat boy and with like um you know a whole bunch of other games that came out from it it's like the, you know they have to remember that you know the you know the reason why they were able to become so good was because they had the foundation of mario to you know uh you know to do that like super meat boy you know you had like the the good platforming for mario a hat in time you had the elements of like you know, sunshine with the GameCube-like graphics and the level design. So, you know, anything, I mean, even with Cuphead, you know, with a very similar structure with like the, 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 the classic ragtag, uh, you know, music and the, the, the dynamic duo with Cuphead and Mugman with Mario and Luigi. So you can definitely do feel the elements over there. And 
I'm and, really, I'm kind of disappointed that with like the Wreck-It Ralph movie that they weren't able to like feature uh, a lot of the um, Mario characters. I mean, I know they had Bowser and there were rumors when, you know, Wreck-It Ralph 2 was like, uh, you know, when they were like doing the process, uh, the, the planning of it, they were like, oh, you know, we're going to have Mario in the next one. But then they decided to shift over to when, you know, Ralph goes into the internet instead which kind of left me disappointed. It's like, oh, but we saw Sonic. I wanted to see Mario. So, yeah. And also, like, you were talking about the different types of platformers that owed something to Mario. And I feel like that ties in nicely to the just mind-blowing phenomenon that the Super Mario Maker games became. Yeah. Like, I cannot believe how big these this the community for that is. And they're creative, too. Like, I love... A lot. I love fan-made games, and I love fan-made levels. Um, and there's such a variety of them in both games. That mm-hmm. I mean, Mario Maker just kind of threw the door open on creativity for Mario levels, and it's just blown me away what people have done with it. Um, they were able to like make really creative levels. I, I think I even said a long time ago about like how, you know, it's like. Um, you know, a lot of people are clamoring for like, oh, we want to see a new Super Mario World 3 or we want to see a, a classic Mario game, you know, like NES style for like the new generation of gaming. And it's like, yeah, but you have the Mario Maker games. You could do that already in a sense. Yeah, like it takes time and effort to learn. Um, I have the uh, 3DS version of Mario Maker 1 and it's hard to make those, which gives me a whole new um, appreciation for the craft, but it's possible. I mean, you could do it. It's just incredibly time consuming, which. Yeah. And, and also you have to be, yeah, and also you have to be really creative with like the placement and, you know, the, the variety of what you, what you want to do, which I'm not really good at. I, I get people all the time asking me, you know, we, we want you to live stream you playing Minecraft or something. It's like, I don't, I'm not good at that. Anything that involves with me, like creating like my own world or my own level or something like little big planner or something. I, I suck. I, you will not see me do anything like that anytime soon. I think uh, in regards to Mario Maker, I actually have a bit of a quick point I want to try to make, if that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. All right, I'll try to keep this brief because I don't want to ramble for too long. But I think that one thing that kind of gives Mario games mass appeal is that there's just these, the little tools they give that allow people to take them from being casual games into more serious elements. Like, I'm thinking of that old movie, The Wizard, where they first showed off Mario 3 and the kid wins because he's able to like instantly find the secret that warps him close to the end of the game. You know, when you think about it, Mario World in the early 2000s had so many ridiculous hard ROM hacks that were based around it that were really just kind of the precursor to uh, the Mario Maker games because people wanted to be able to do that on a console. And I think that because of them being so widely spread and people on YouTube like Proton John doing all those early Rage Let's Plays of them and showing off how they can actually be done correctly, it really gave it the overall expression. And, you know, Mario 64, that's like the most speedrun game of all time because there's so many different ways to break that with stuff like the backwards long jump and just optimizing your movement so exactly. And even 
uh, the RPGs, like the first two Paper Mario games, they're considered pretty easy by RPG standpoints, but people are able to manipulate that using the game mechanics by just never upgrading their HP and using some different badges. They are still able to break it while barely taking any damage, and that's a good challenge run for them. It takes a game that's made for kids and make, makes it into something that you need a lot of actual practice and effort to perfect. And you don't really get that in games like, like Kirby or Mega Man. Now, people try doing similar things where they play those games without taking damage, but those are more self-imposed restrictions rather than actually altering the game's attributes, which I think gives Mario so much mass appeal. I get where you're coming from. I just can't put myself in that mindset. Like, regular Mario games are hard enough for me. <laughs> I have yet to beat one without assistance from a Game Genie or Game Shark or anything like that. So, Well, like, the early games are a bit of an exception. They are one. legitimately hard. But, like, the modern games, if you... Like, getting 100%, sure, it's pretty difficult. But just finishing it, for most people, it's just a matter of time and effort. And I guess some people could argue that if you grew up with old-school NES or SNES games, then it's a matter of memorization to really perfect a lot of the harder levels. Mm -hmm. So the hacks take the memorization away because the stuff you're seeing is stuff you've never seen before in a normal level. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. And it doesn't apply to everybody, of course. It's just kind of how I'm thinking about this right now. Yeah. yeah, these are people who are coming in with a completely different mindset. I mean, that is one thing I do like about Mario is that it attracts so many different types of gamer like, there's people like me who really want to experience the worlds and the levels and just kind of go exploring in these places while still trying to figure out how to beat them. And then there's people who are looking for, like, that hardcore challenge like he was describing. And, like, we're both going to get something out of this. It's just the different angles we're coming at. Yeah, I got to be honest. I have not gotten 100% on a lot of Mario games because they just get hard to the point where I just... It's just not worth the effort for me, the way Zelda games... I mean, Zelda games are pretty challenging to get 100% on, but honestly, I find the challenge manageable in those games. Could that be because of the progression? Like, you, you're different at the end of a Zelda game than you are at the start of one. Yeah. Yeah, with, with at least a Zelda game, you do collect, like, items and weapons over time, but with Mario, only thing, the only thing you have is, like, if you're lucky to still have the Fire Flower you know, um, you would continue with the level and then you would just, you know, use your platforming wits and that was all you had. Or even compare it to an RPG, because if you grind a lot in, like, Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest, you can plow through the bosses. But if you spend the same amount of time, again, looking for the blue coins in Mario Sunshine, again, not worth it. You don't really get much of anything extra to help you along in progress or much of a better ending either. Mario levels are timed, which makes it even more frustrating. Right. Yeah, I think that's um, all. I think that's all I have to say about you know, like talking about Mario games for this uh, for the long run. Unless you have any further thoughts. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. I think I'm yeah. good. I want to bring up the announcement about the 35th anniversary 3D pack. I don't know about you guys, but you know, seeing that we've had a lot of these amazing remasters and remakes from you know Vicarious Visions and Toys for Bob and all that kind of stuff, you know, kind of like revitalizing these long dormant or dead franchises, I was kind of let down with it. What went wrong? 
Um, I've only just heard that they were remastering these stuff like yesterday. So, yeah, that's that's when they were that's when they were announced. It's like, oh, you know, we're gonna bring back you know Super Mario sixty four and Sunshine and Galaxy, except that we're gonna, I mean, they are gonna do some minor tweaks with it, but for the most part, they're essentially the same game, which is like, and they're not even including Galaxy two in it. Yeah, which is like really. Which I, I can understand. Maybe they're doing it for another pack, or maybe they want to, you know, um, maybe they didn't have the space for it. I don't know. But I was hoping that they would at least, you know, remake Super Mario 64. Kind of like how the All-Stars pack was able to remake all the games, uh, you know, mm -hmm. into one for the Super Nintendo with like, it, you know, the enhanced graphics. and graphics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Modernizing the graphics. Yeah, modernizing yeah. the graphics, giving it a safe feature, uh, making it accessible for a new audience. It's like, you know, I wish that they would have done the same thing for, you know, this, you know, all-star pack with like utilizing the graphics from Odyssey. It's like, wouldn't it have been great if we would have seen, you know, Mario 64 and Odyssey graphics? Yeah. Anything that makes Mario not look like a bunch of polygons stuck together is good in my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think to some people, the ports are going to be almost worse because of how they have to change it to fit on the Switch. Like, for Mario oh, 64, yeah. I don't think there's going to be... Uh, they say that it's supposed to be the updated version that was released a little bit after the base game in Japan, so that means there's no backwards long jump, so you can't really speedrun it as well. For Mario Sunshine, apparently it's not even going to work with the Switch-compatible GameCube controller, which makes no sense because it's a GameCube game. And for Good. Mario Galaxy... I don't know if they announced another way to do this, but I think that in order to pick up and fire the star bits, you have to touch the switch screen. And I don't know if there's another button to do that. Hmm. That's wow. yeah, be a little difficult. Yeah, that seems strange. I mean, I guess that's not like the biggest mechanic when it comes to just finishing a level. It'll just slow you down a little bit, but still. Yeah, I was thinking that, you know, for its 35th anniversary, you know, I was thinking, I was hope I know that they're going to include some more stuff into the anniversary, you know, they're going to include some, you know, other games and, you know, other uh, updates for their other Mario games, but, you know, for this one, I just felt kind of let down, it's like, you know, I would have liked to have seen, you know, more updated versions of these games, but, you know, it's like, you know, if you, if you feel happy about it, then, you know, good for you. But as for me, it's like, you know, seeing that, you know, of how they did, you know, Spyro and Crash and, you know, bringing in some new mechanics and some updated graphics, it's like, you know, why, I would have liked it if Nintendo did the same thing. Yeah, I yeah. saw both Crash and Spyro at Target, and I was so, so tempted. And I wasn't even that big a fan of either franchise back in the day. I just really wanted the new versions. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it sounds like a lot of things that are probably not going to be as bad as we think they are when it's released. Because Nintendo is really are real sticklers for quality most of the time. Yeah, but still, this is a case where definitely you got to make your decision with your wallet to send to let Nintendo know what you want in the future. Mm -hmm. I am just oh, so cool. glad I have um, the originals of all those games. Yeah. Some of them sent me back a pretty penny at the time, but I have them, and I'm glad for it. Oh, uh, another I mean, thing I that I, I forgot to mention, you know, right before we close it, is that did you hear about the, new, the Super Nintendo Land attraction they're going to be doing for Universal Studios? I have not. I have no. not. No? 
Well, yeah, apparently, but... apparently they're gonna have like a Nintendo, um, you know, themed world at Super, um, they uh, at the Universal Studios in Japan, and they're even thinking about expanding it to, even like the U.S. and other Universal Studios across the world. And I've seen pictures of it over the past two years, and they have like the Mario Castle and you know a whole bunch of other cool things. Well, cool. if they want something to replace Wizarding World with, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still better at rolling. <laughs> Perfectly understandable. But no, that sounds fantastic, and I want to go to there. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. I'm sure. You know, I'm sure. Hopefully, when it does come to either Orlando or to California, that'd be that'd be a good road trip to go to. <laughs> well, if it comes here, I am definitely going. I don't care how far. <laughs> yeah. So I think that should be it. So, um, guys, final thoughts. Uh, happy 35th to Mario. May. Uh... May we see many? May we see another number of years of successful games? Very true. I had a lot more thoughts and feelings about this franchise than I originally thought I would, but like it's it was my gateway drug into video games, so I guess it's bound to happen. I'm really happy that I got to be part of this. Thanks, Patty. I'm glad I got to do this too. I had to honestly I had to dial back because if I said all my thoughts. Uh, uh, let's just say that you know it's it's not just the Alex show, which if I said my thought, all everything I had to say it probably could have been. <laughs> well, I just wanted to thank you guys so much for coming on by. I really do appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me, especially such short notice. Even if I was rambling quite a lot during my uh, during my segments. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, go ahead and plug and promote your stuff. Uh, Yama and I have a new X-Men review coming up uh, soon, hopefully. And uh, we finished Gem. <laughs> the Gem finale is up. Go watch it. I'm so happy. <laughs> I, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that uh, to keep myself occupied during the quarantine, I've been learning magic and mentalism. So I'm probably going to be posting up a few videos and maybe even some tutorials on my Instagram page. Uh, just look for those in the future. My Instagram is jbevan1985. Um, the two big things in my life, um, unfortunately, COVID, this COVID mess has delayed my release of Science Boys High School Reunion, but there is, you can still watch trailers and clips on the YouTube page. Just look up Science Boys High School Reunion on YouTube. We also just today released a tie-in music video for the song It's Science Time. If you want to quench your thirst for Science Boy before that gets released, um, we do also, my, don't forget my show Pinheads is on Amazon Prime. Views and reviews will help a lot. Okay, so actually earlier today and even partially right now with uh, some friends of mine, to keep this short, I have been in the Dragon Ball meme community for a few years, and one of the most important people in that community, Alejandro Cabrera, the original owner of the Kakarot page, he passed away two years ago in a car accident. In, mem in memorandum of this, many of us in the community have been live streaming different games on Twitch. We want to try to get the channel big enough where we can do charity events for children's charities, because that was a big focus with him. So if you have a Twitch, please go on to kids for kakarot That's just twitch.tv slash kids, the number four, and Kakarot, the Dragon Ball Z character. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, let us know in the comments below about your favorite Mario games, uh, the 
uh, your memories of either watching the Mario series or movie and you know what other uh, you know what other stuff are you interested in when it comes to the the Mario franchise so that's it hope to see you around soon and take care bye later see ya